Uh, doing any other records with Mariah? Yes. Hey. What on, Jonte? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Man, I'm fantastic, man. Awesome. Appreciate you for uh, taking the time Absolutely. to do this. We've been huge supporters of you for many, many years, and we appreciate the love that you show us all the time, too. Absolutely. I appreciate that love uh, that, that you guys show me, man. So it's, it's always fun. I love the site. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Let's just get started here. Yep. Of course, last week you had a massive week. I don't <laughs> think anyone really uh, expected that. I saw your social media following jump by like 50,000 followers. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, just summarize that week for you and what it was like. Um, it was wild, man. Like, yeah, going, going into the battle. Uh, like you say, like a, a lot of people didn't know me. Uh, most people didn't know me, I guess. Everyone knew Neo, of course, and rightfully so, uh, as awesome as he is. And uh, yet, and at the end of the battle, to hereafter that we were like trending, you know, worldwide, and it was, uh, you know, it was it was great. So it's it's been kind of surreal, but fun. Right, and I think I can split the fan base into like three different segments. You know, you have. People like us who know the history and maybe that battle was sort of like a reminder of what you've done. Then yeah. you have another group of people that are, you know, they, they might be familiar with some of the work that you've done with Mariah, Mary, Trey, Chris. And then you have, like you said, that group of people that didn't necessarily know who you were and they started to learn about you through that. Um, and I noticed like throughout your career, you've kind of been low key about your accomplishments. Even to this day, you don't really go and brag about it. You don't have like a tag the songs that you write, was that always a conscious effort on your end? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, we've always, my, you know, my crew and I, you know, with Brian Michael Cox and, um, you know, the noontime crew that I came up with, we all always tried to just go by a quiet professional uh, motto and, and, and model to what we did. We just, um, uh, you know, did the work and focused on the work and tried to be good about it and, uh, and, and let the work speak for itself. Right. Uh, but there is sort of a sense of wanting recognition. You know, of course, you get the awards, and that's great, and the number one hits. But is there always a desire for recognition? I think that's that's natural for a human being, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you 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 do records, and you know, um, yeah. I mean, you want the you want the recognition, and a lot of times you see uh, other writers and artists um, get it, and yeah. you know, sometimes it's like, oh man, maybe I should, you know be a little more boisterous or, or whatever, or, or really focus on uh, my, my artist career to get my name out there. And, uh, you know, like I say, every, everyone knew who uh, Neo was because he's such a, you know, he, aside from being a fantastic songwriter, is also a phenomenal artist as well. Uh, so sometimes, like you say, we're all human uh, and, and you want that recognition. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you take it how it comes. I mean, and, and the path is the path. It was... It was meant for, you know, me to be almost 40 and then the, the world start to find out more about me, you know, years after these hits. So I'm cool with that. And, and as long as the checks keep coming in, you're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that helps. That helps. Right. I, I got to put kids through college. <laughs> right. And I think it's cool because the singles that you played, that was sort of like the tip of the iceberg for you. You have a lot of songs that weren't necessarily singles that are great. Um, a lot come to mind, Superman by Monica. Um, wow! Yeah, yeah. Watch that come to mind. What are some of your favorite non-singles? Um, let's see, non-singles that that I didn't play. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I think that uh, when when I posted that uh, yeah. still from Tamia, yep. 
you yeah. know, um, True Love, which you guys posted yesterday. We were yeah. talking about it yesterday with, with Faith. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a couple things here and there. It's a couple of Do It To Me on the 20YO album mm, yep. uh, that, that, that we did with No ID uh, and Janet. I mean, that's, you know, so it's, it's a couple. Yeah, I'll give you a couple more. Last Kiss by Mariah. That's a great one. Oh, man. Yo, that, that should have been a single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Uh, but even some of these songs you're mentioning, even though they weren't singles, I think structurally they can sort of, they, if they did come out as singles, it would make sense. Is that how, is that your approach when you're writing a song? Even if it doesn't come out as a single, you still want it to have lyrically, structurally to be a single? Absolutely, man. Well, you know, I'm always thinking about the radio or something, you know, unique that could, you know, um, you know, make the record stand out. So even if it doesn't get to be a single, I mean, that was, that was definitely the, the process that, you know, MC and Jermaine and I, uh, and B. Cox, you know, worked on as far as the E equals MC squared album. You know, we felt right. like, you know, last, last kiss. I mean, that we, we felt like that should have been a single. So uh, we're, we're all we're thinking about that for sure. Right. Well, how do you fall? How do you not fall into the trap of, you know, we hear things called like single driven records where it's like, you know, right away that it's trying to go for a meme or a moment. But, you know, at the end of the day, you still want quality. So how do you not fall into that trap? You got to always let the quality speak for itself. You know, you got to always speak what you what you feel is, uh, you know, your truth or the truth of the song. Uh, and, and then the success of it, you know, it, 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 it's out of our hands at that point. We turn it over to the people and then right. they'll tell us if it's if they if it meets their standards. Right. And something you told us earlier last year that kind of blew our minds was that early on in your career, you spent a lot of time working with Joe and the Neptunes. We don't even know this. Take me back to those moments. What did, what did they teach you there? Yeah, so I was signed, when I was signed to RCA as a young kid, um, you know, that was uh, Pharrell and Chad, um, you know, working. And then Joe was coming down and, you know, he would demo the songs. We worked at Dallas Austin Studio, uh, who is not my brother, by the way. I know people ask <laughs> that, that, that a lot of Dallas and I are related. Uh, so, yeah, we were working at DARP and... You know, this was like the same time, you know, Boys to Man would be in the studio next to us with Tim and Bob working on the two album. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it was crazy to have Joe there as a mentor. And then I actually lived in his manager's basement, um, Michelle Williams, um, you know, because her sister Tease Williams was the one who helped me get my deal at RCA and introduced me to the A&R staff over there. And, uh, yeah, I lived in his basement. I lived in their basement for a month just working with Joe, um, wow. you know, every day. Um, so that was that, that was cool. Wow. And, yeah. of course, a great record that you did with Joe, We Need to Roll. I just want to highlight that song as well. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of great records there. Uh, and then now leading up to you being a solo artist, it was quite some time until we finally got the debut, Love, Sex, and Religion. Waited like 10 years for that. Um, just taking through that experience now of being a solo artist, I know you went – and did a couple of shows with Music Soul Child as well. Yeah. Doing a lot more interviews than over the last few years. How's that all? How, how's that feeling right now? It was great, man. Yeah, to open up for someone like Music Soul Child, and you know that's an incredible artist. He's an incredible artist, and and catalog just to to share the stage and warm the stage up with him. That that was good. And to now have LSR out, 
uh, finally, after 10 years, is, um, oh, thank you, everybody saying they love the album. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's great to, to have realized that that dream, you know, all these all these years later. Yeah, and of course you have Love Culture. That's the single that's out right now. I remember when we first got the album, that was the song that immediately stood out to us. So I'm kind of taking credit for you choosing that as the single. Oh, definitely. <laughs> all right. Hey, that's, that's all right. Produced, produced by Brian Michael Cox, my partner in yeah. crime. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we uh, we're excited about that one. And I heard uh, from B Cox that that was originally going to go to BJ the Chicago Kid. It was absolutely yeah, oh. it was going to go to to BJ, and for whatever reason they didn't use it, and then um, we uh, we decided to use it for the Love, Sex, and Religion album. Right. Okay. Cool. And then speaking of B Cox, he told us that you guys are working on an EP together. Uh, just kind of talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So the, yeah, the Texas Ranger and Sinatra EP. Oh, thank you. They say they love Ride as well. We got some. We got talking about Ride in the comments. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, we're working on that EP, and uh, we're excited about that. We got a couple ideas already laid down. Um, you know, so now we're trying to just figure out how to vibe from afar. Uh, you know, with the restrictions and everything in place, and trying to stay home and and, and stay safe. Right. What makes you and B Cox such a good collaborative, you know, duo? Because you guys have done so much together. You guys are still continually making music, and it still sounds fresh. What makes that work so well? Um, well oh, yes, Neil and I are actually working on some ideas together. Now we got some things brewing. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm not answering some questions. All good. Well. <laughs> um, and and yes, Manuel Seal as well as Jermaine, we all did. We belong together with MC. Um, so um, the 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 collaboration with B Cox and and the energy there, I think it starts with us just being like really great friends. Um, you know, like we hang out, our kids hang out. So it's just, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, so it's, it's just that chemistry there just as human beings. And, you know, he's somebody that I just respect and value a whole lot. Um, just, you know, just as a, a friend. And so, you know, and then when we get into the studio, it spills over because, you know, he musically always seems to, you know, find, you know, where I am and help me say what I want to say. And, uh, and then, you know, it seems that, you know, what I want to say fits fits well with, with what he puts down. Nice. Now, of course, I think this was a perfect time for you to put out Love, Sex, Religion on an independent now. You can do whatever you want. You can put whatever you want out as opposed to maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago where there was so much uh, decision making going on with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but the difference is that maybe 15 years ago, probably there was a lot more money put behind those albums. And I think that may have... Uh, you know, do you ever look back, like, what if you had put out Ocean Drive during that time where your career may be right now? Right. Um, nah, you know, I try not to look into the rear view too much. You know, it's the, you know, we are, um, we're, we're at where we're at. And, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, for that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, you know, going this route. Right. And, of course, you just dropped a new EP, and this is kind of unheard of for Jonte Austin. You dropped an album, and a couple of months later, you're dropping an EP. Man, right, I'm, I'm just, I'm just putting this out music, crazy. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just take me through the EP a little bit. Okay, um, really quick, yes, I have worked on the new Usher and new Trey Songs album, so uh, look out look out for those. Um, yeah, man, we just, I was, I'm sitting here in the house, you know, quarantined. And I'm like, you know what, we should we should do some, you know, some quarantine love music. 
everybody's stuck in the house and you know hopefully you're stuck in the house uh with someone that you like <laughs> and so i want to give you all some music that uh that y'all can vibe to and, and and maybe like in nine months we'll get a, a whole new uh generation and we'll we'll call them the uh the the children of the corn is, is what i call <laughs> <laughs> it's corny i know <laughs> not good <laughs> and then of course troy taylor helped you out with a lot of these two projects. Um, I know vocally as well. What does Troy bring to the table? I mean, you're an established songwriter. You know how to vocal produce. What does Troy bring to the table that elevates your career? So, you know, oddly enough, along with Joe as a mentor, Troy was that for, uh, you know, for me uh, around that same time as well. And so, you know, myself and Carl Thomas, you know, being in, in that space coming up as well, um, and, you know, I remember when Troy signed, you know, Trey songs and, and he came up in that same basement that, that we all came up under. Uh, so, you know, I learned how to do vocals from Troy. Um, he's the one who, who taught me how to do it and, and, you know, take my time with it and understand, you know, what makes a great vocal, what makes a great song. Um, he's the one who really helped craft my writing in the beginning because, you know, he would give me beats and like make me write two different songs to the same beat, you know, just to, you know, hone that craft. And then I would have to sit there and record the song. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was like boot camp, you know, really. I mean, he, he calls it Troy Taylor University now. And it was, you know, we're, uh, you know, Carl and Trey and I were, you know, some of the, the first alums. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's what Troy brings to the table. And just, I still listen to him. Um, you know, vocally, song-wise, if there's something that he says he hears, I think that's great, you know, to to, to have people that you trust to, right. you know, give you give you that, um, you know, that critique. So, you know, for him and, and you know, Jermaine and, um, and um, you know, Tor from Stargate, you know, these are still people that, you know, they may hear something and be like, nah, man, I think you should do that. And then, and it works. Right. And, yeah, I've heard stories about Troy, or he, he even told us, like, one time he was in the studio with 702 on their debut album, which I know you were a part of. He made Mila cry in the studio, just how, how harsh he was. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a good harsh, right? <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he was a lot meaner back then. You know, he, yeah. he softened over the years. You know, you you would get called, you know, a lot of stuff <laughs> if you messed <laughs> up. So now he's, he's softened. So that's uh, that's good. But, yeah. He's, uh, Mila, I'm trying to think, there was somebody else that he got on too, man. I was like, ooh. Uh, you know, my, my favorite story of him is that when he was coaching Stevie Wonder's vocals, he told Stevie that he was flat on a note. Wow. And the whole room, like, <laughs> stopped, right? And Stevie was right. like, are you sure? I don't think so. And he's like, nah, nah, you were. And he was like, Steve was like, play it back. And everyone's thinking, like, oh, man, if this man is not flat, like, this session is over. And it turns out that Stevie <laughs> was flat, and so Troy caught it, and, and yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, like, you got to have some guts to tell Stevie Wonder that he's flat. Right. Uh, I know you were, in, you were in the studio with Whitney Houston once upon a time for Call You Tonight. You wrote that song for her. Take me back to that moment, because that's a legend right there. Yeah, man. So the song was written for Whitney and then I, you know, I sent it to Larry Jackson and Clive and then they, they loved it. And, you know, we have been trying to make that album on Whitney for, you know, about three years. And it finally, you know, came together. 
And uh, yeah, so, you know, Mikhail from Stargate came down and, and we cut the, um, the vocals on that. And um, down here in Atlanta, and uh, I mean, the rest is the rest is history. So I I did that that song, uh, which I always heard for Whitney. So that's like one of the examples because you know sometimes you write songs, you hear them for people, and then they end up other places. Uh, yeah. But that that song from start to finish, I wrote it for Whitney. I had Whitney in mind, and then um, you know, and 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 she um, she got to do it, and and so I, and, and got to work with her. Nice. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Nippy. Absolutely. Yeah. So earlier you just mentioned you're working with Trey, you're working with Usher. Just kind of give me some information on those two. What what do those projects sound like? I mean, you know, the the new confessions is is, is getting ready to be popping, man. I'm you know I'm I'm excited <laughs> about that and um and and Trey. Uh, that, I mean that that's going to be great too. I mean I'm I'm excited about those records. Um, and, and just the records that I've heard that, that they've done with, with everyone else, like, you know, both of them have some amazing stuff. Um, you know, so yeah, Trey, Usher, um, last month I was in LA working with LMA. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. We got the whole organized noise crew back together to do that. So that was, that was fun. And, um, I was actually today working on something, uh, Tayana Taylor sent me something to work on. So I finished that today. We're going to try to figure out how I can, uh, find a studio somewhere and actually lay vocals down being trapped in the house. Right. How do you kind of approach songwriting now that everything is, you know, there's sort of like a cap at three minutes on how much you can really write. The, the cap is three minutes. I've yeah. noticed now people are even trying to include bridges in that three minute mark. And it's like half a bridge. It's not what we're used to from nineties and two thousands. How do you kind of approach those records now? Um, you know, I, I still try to do what I can do and, um, you know, and, and fit it all into the cap. So if we, you know, maybe not do a B section the way that I would want to do a B section and not do the B section twice or, you know, start mm -hmm. with the verse so that we can, you know, get everything in that time. But I, I still like to tell full stories and do fully structured songs, um, right. you know, because it's, you know, that, that two and a half minute thing is still takes some getting used to for, for an old guy like me. Right. Do you think that hinders the art now that we're capping off songs at two minutes, three minutes? Um, it can sometimes, but I think, you know, it, it challenges us to, you know, get get more of it in there. Um, and, uh, you know, have I ever recorded a song in flip flops? Yes, I, I love to wear <laughs> flip flops. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man. So, I mean, it, it, it's challenging, but, you know, you can still try to, you know, find that magic. Right. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of songs here that you've done. Okay. Big songs. I mean, we could go through the album cuts all day, but we got a lot of people here. I'm sure they want to hear about the hits. Uh, just give me your story, what you remember about writing it, recording it with the artist. The first one, of course, is the Aaliyah record, Miss You, which I know from my understanding, Teddy told me that Genuine originally demoed that song. Correct. Yeah, Genuine and I wrote that song in the parking lot of Lenox Mall. We were in the car, and he was like, man, we just we just parked right there. He was, uh, where was he staying? He was staying at, at, at the hotel that's right there. Where I don't know what even what the name of it was. It was the Swiss Hotel at the time. But anyway, um, you know, we, I picked him up, and then, you know, we had had this track, and, like, he was like, man, just pull up. We're going we're gonna to do it right here. And then, um, you know, we wrote it right there in the car. And 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 that and that was it. And yeah, so he demoted it, and he wound up not keeping it for his album. That was when we did all night, all day for the hundred yeah. percent genuine album. And yeah. um, you know, so he didn't he didn't use that. And then Aaliyah heard it, 
and wanted to um, wanted to record it. So, and that was the only one that she wanted to record. She did not want to record. I don't want it at first. Oh wow! Yeah, and so the the deal that Chris Hicks made with her was like, you know, if you record, I miss you. You have to, you know, you have to record. What's up, Tigger? Tigger's in, in, in the in the chat. Um, yeah, so Chris, so if you if you record, I miss you. You have to record. I don't want. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, the next record is. I mean, you've done so many with Chris. You were part of the early part of his career, establishing that sound. Yo, poppin mm-hmm. um, with you. Just take me through that that catalog right there of the songs that you did. So, you know, I was, um, you know, Mark Byers, who managed Dre and Vidal. He was really close with my manager, Chris Hicks, um, you know, at the at the time. And he was like, man, you know, Mark Pitts and Tina Davis have this kid, you know, and, and I think Austin would be great. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so, yeah, if my friends either call me by my last name or they call me Johnny. So if y'all hear me say Austin, like, you know, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, so we went up to Philly. And we met Chris. Chris came in there and, you know, you could just tell from like within two seconds of meeting him that the kid was a star. Um, that that was one that I was not surprised about as, as far as how big he became. Like it was no surprise that Chris, um, you know, uh, be, became that. So we did Yo first. Yo was the first record we did. And then the next day we did Poppin'. Um, and you know, just, just those two records, what you know, like you say, they kicked off things. You know, I was mad that you know, at the time, Poppin' didn't actually get a chance to be an official single, but that record is just like taken off culturally, is something, yep. uh, you know, that, that people love. And then, so the same thing with you, obviously, at that time, he's now huge, and you know, we're working on the second album. So, I Need a Girl, and with you, we're done in the same set of sessions with Stargate. So I Need a Girl, we had um, originally pitched that to Chris and they didn't take that one, but they took with you. But when I wrote with you, um, I wrote that song in like 20 minutes and then we laid it down. And I remember, you know, because Stargate, they're from from Norway. And so the Jordan line, you know, Tor was like, you know, Jordan's on Saturday. Like, I don't, what does that mean? (laughs) And so I, so I had to explain to him the culture of people like lining up on Saturday mornings to, you know, to buy uh, Air Jordans. And so I, I recorded the song, wrote it, recorded it. And then I went to a restaurant and I saw Mark Pitts. And so I told him, I said, yo, we have your single at the uh, at the studio. Go go listen to it. And he was like, oh, OK. okay. And I was like, no, no, like, like close out your bill and go listen to it. And then, you know, and then hit me. And then like 30 minutes later, he hit me. I was like, Chris is coming in tomorrow wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy uh and then a huge record here be without you by mary yeah yeah (laughs) brian and i did that that wasn't so it it doesn't happen like this all the time but it's it's weird how some of my like biggest records like were written quickly that was like a 30 minute record that from like top to bottom when i like started singing on the mic we did it and you know, Chris Hicks went to pitch it at first, you know, it was because the album was supposed to be a greatest hits album. Mm-hmm. And then they heard that. And, you know, people were still kind of like, oh, I don't know. And, you know, with Chris Hicks pitching it on one end and then Ron Fair heard it and was like, you know, if you guys don't put that out, you're insane. He told Jimmy that, Jimmy Iveen. And, uh, and, and then the rest is history. We, you know, 
Uh, Ron Fair did the vocals on it, and, and we put it out and never looked back on that one. Right. Well, <laughs> you have a number one hit with that one. You go back in with Mary for the next album. You guys do Stay Down. Yeah. What's the mindset like when you do a record like Stay Down after coming off a number one record? Man, so, um, you know, you, you always just kind of just want to, you know, move forward on the work, right? Because when records like that, you know, Be Without You, We Belong Together, records like that happen and you can't predict a record being that big. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't predict that. So you don't want to try to, you know, hinder yourself or trap yourself trying to make that moment again because... You know, you didn't know that you were going to make that moment the first time. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I, I definitely try not to get trapped up in that. And, and, and Brian and, you know, even on the when we came back for E equals MC squared, everyone was, you know, we're, we're thinking about we belong together. But, you know, we're trying to get that out of our minds. Right. We're trying to because it's not going to help us, you know, moving yeah. forward. So um, then we just, you know, we did stay down and I love stay down just as much as as be without you. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's, you know, I, I judge it by the quality. I, like I say, if I can, you know, leave the session feeling good about the quality of the work, once it's handed over to the public, then it's, you know, then it's in the public's hands, um, you know, and to, to do whatever they want with it. Right. Someone in the comments just wrote, leak the Be Without Me demo. <laughs> I, I put it up on my page like a year and a half or so ago, just like a little, you know, a little snippet of it. Uh, it was on my IG. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, wow. We Belong Together is arguably the best song I've ever had. Well, thank you. Thank you. Might be true. Yeah, had, had fun writing that. Shout out yeah. to Mariah, man. I feel like Mariah doesn't get a lot of credit for the songwriter that she is. Yeah. I was going to get into, Mar into Mariah, but I want to start out with Janet Jackson because okay. you did two albums with her. And I yeah. feel like those projects, they weren't necessarily the biggest albums. But there's a lot of gems on those albums. Just take me through those two albums that you did with her. Thank you, man. So, yeah, like the um, the 20YO album, that's another example of like what we're talking about when you, you know, when you talk about the, um, just the work. Like 20YO was not her biggest album, but to me, I stand by all of the work that we did on that. that was like that's, that was one of my favorite projects to work on from start to finish. So just being out in L.A., and working with uh, with Jan, I mean, first of all, let me just stop there and just say that again, like working with Janet Jackson, like this is, you know, I was a kid watching Control and Rhythm Nation and and the Janet album. And you know, so that just to, to be in there um, and, and for her to, you know, think enough of me to want me in all of those sessions with Jermaine and Jimmy and Terry. Um, I mean, it was just a great time, man, just, you know, showing up every day to, to be in the studio, um, you know, with, with Janet Jackson and for her to trust my pen um, and, and trust what I brought to the table. That was just a phenomenal, um, you know, a phenomenal time. And like I say, I, I love that album, you know, call on me and, and do it to me. And I'm so excited. Um, you know, it was just, it was just great to, to work on that. Right. And then, of course, Mariah Carey, the Emancipation album. Yeah. Like that big record, but then we go through We Belong Together, Shake It Off, Don't Forget About Us. They're all number one hits. You must have been feeling yourself then. <laughs> Man, you know, yeah, because that was the time. So there was a, at that moment, there was a time in 2005 when I had, 
uh, what was it? One, two, it was three of the top five songs on Billboard. Mm -hmm. It was like We Belong Together was number one, Shake It Off was number two, and the Bow Wow and Sierra record was number three. Um, and then JD had the Let Me Love You with Bow Wow and Mars, so he had the top four. Um, right. But yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that was an amazing time. And yeah, I, I probably, you know, was feeling myself a little more than I should have been. I, it, was a, it was wild times. We won't talk about that, but, but it, was, it, was, it was fun. Right. And then the last question, I see this on social media a lot, especially over the last week. How did a 15-year-old write Sweet Lady? <laughs> man, I was, just, I was just writing, man. I was, that was working with Troy Taylor, man, in that basement. And... Um, you know, we, we wrote it. I was, yeah, I saw someone say, um, you know, um, what kind of mind frame I was in. I, you know, I was really just, you know, trying to just write a song, man. And if this is what, um, you know, this is how I would talk to a girl. I mean, I didn't know much about girls. I was like 15 when I wrote that record. And then, um, you know, uh, it, it just came together. And so then it wasn't until a couple of years later that Tyrese, you know, they said they wanted the record, you know, for Tyrese. And so, um, you know, we, we gave it, we gave it to him. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I have, but I know a lot of fans here and maybe we'll, we'll take a couple of questions. From yeah, the let's comments. do some questions. Let's do that right now. Am I working on new MC stuff? Um, yes, we have some, some things. I, I actually, um, spoke with Mariah a couple of weeks ago. We, we have a, a phone session that we were trying to put up, put together right over the, uh, over the phone. Uh, so, and speaking about phone, someone asked that I work on Sierra's debut yep. album. I did a record called Pick Up the Phone uh, yep. and a record called Thug Style uh, on, Sierra's, uh, on Sierra's album. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, oh, Dante, someone asked about your songwriting process. Okay, so my songwriting process is... Um, you know, I, I try to get a concept first. That's how I really, um, I'm going to come back to that Ashanti question. I have a great story about that. So, no, um, my, my process is I try to um, get a concept first. That's, that's where I really like to start. It's different sometimes, but I usually like to go concept, you know, melody, and then, um, and then lyrics. Um, that's, that's usually how it goes, uh, you know, once I have a track. But sometimes I write uh, without, without the track, the hook for Usher's fooling around, I wrote that on the plane heading to Las Vegas, um, and it was written completely a cappella. And then Brian put the put the chords um, um, to it. Ashanti and I came. Ashanti was signed to Noontime back in the day, so I was a young '98. Mm. I was a young writer, and I did like three or four songs um, on Ashanti. Um, you know, before she you know left Noontime and then was signed. Um, you know. Um, over uh, at Def Jam. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, that's that's my Shanti. So, but yeah, Shanti and I were uh, young people together. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, um, let's see. What is it? What, which one you want to answer next? Let's see. Uh, what's uh? I don't what know. was your most? How about this one? What was your most challenging song to write? My most challenging song to write. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I tr I try not to let them be too challenging because if they're too challenging, I kind of put it down and then um, you know, I I come back 
uh, I come back to it if, it, if, if it's too challenging. Uh, but I will say on We Belong Together, we had the hook and the, the, the second verse was different. We had had something different, and JD was like, "Nah, man, come on, come on, Jonte. I need, I need one of them second verses that you that you be writing for, uh, mm. you know." And 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 he referenced like everybody loves the second verse on "I Don't Wanna" uh, for for Leah. So like he referenced that in that moment. He's like, "Man, you you do them second verses," and um, Pharrell always sings the second verse to "I Don't Wanna" when I see him. So that's that's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, then so that's when we we stripped that second verse, we scrapped that, and then you know that's and and I I came up with the you know the Bobby Womack on the radio line, and then it, you know it flowed from there. Right. Well, how do you know when to stop or when you need to move on from the song? Because you go through writer's block. Sometimes you can push through it. Sometimes you know it's just not it, and you got to move on. When do you know that? Um. You know, I I say, you know, if if it doesn't hit me with like in forty five minutes, um, then then yeah, I I put it down and 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 try to come back to it maybe later at a uh, at a at another time. Um, yes, Beacox and I have an EP coming out, um, so okay. so stay tuned on that. Um, so someone asked, uh, are there songs that I wish I kept for myself? Great question. The answer is no, because uh, my manager taught me very early, and it's something that stuck with me. It was a great lesson, not just for songwriting, but in, you know, in life and in confidence, you know, in yourself. He said, you know, don't ever hold on to a song, because when you hold on to a song, you're basically telling yourself that you don't think you can make another record that good. And that's why you want to keep it, because you don't believe in yourself enough that you can make another and he said, you know, but I believe in you and I and I believe that you can make these over and over and over and over again. And so um, so so don't so don't hold on to it. And so I would have uh, stuck with me. I, w- I would have kept Hood Love. That's just me, though. I did do <laughs> I that. Yeah, well, Hood Love was supposed to be on the Ocean Drive album. There is a version yep. that exists with with uh, with MJB and myself. Yep. Yeah. Um, somebody wanted to know about your sessions with Tony Braxton. Did a couple with her. Yes. Um, the just be a man about his sessions. Obviously, I think that that shocked some people the other, other night when I played it. A lot of people may not have known that I did that record. And then, um, and fun fact that everything that Dr. Dre said was exactly like the demo that I I, I laid down the the demo for that, and he said it word for word. So that was that was fun uh, to to hear that back. I mean, no, Tony is a brilliant writer uh herself um you know I've, I've i've just been i've been very blessed to be able to share the um you know the the studio and the, and the share space with some you know tremendous artists and tremendous writers who were comfortable and you know good at being able to articulate what it is that they wanted to say right yeah somebody asked about the Aaliyah sessions we talked about that earlier but you did come over as well right Yes, uh, the Tony Face record originally. No, it was at, it was for Leah, and then, oh, was it? Yeah, and it, it was just never used from those sessions. Oh, and okay. Faces did it, uh, but then you know when Aaliyah passed, rest in peace. Um, you know they had those records, and and so that's that's when uh, when they put it out. But Aaliyah's verse, it was done for her um, on site in the, in the studio. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll end it up with this one. 
Uh, I think this is a very important one for all songwriters. Mm -hmm. You know, you write so many songs, you pitch them to artists, to producers. Sometimes they end up using it as singles and they end up being number one hits. Sometimes those songs don't make the album. Do you ever take it personal when they don't make the album? Uh, No, no. Um, You know, I may agree or disagree (laughs) if if you don't take a certain record or, or pick something as a single. Um, but no, I mean, you it, it is business. You can't take it personal. You can't, um, you know, feel some type of way about it. You know, sometimes it's, um, you know, or, or when a record goes somewhere that, you know, you, you may have it in mind for this artist and it goes to this artist, you know, I don't, I don't take it personal. I, I just appreciate the work, man. And I try to, you know, just, uh, you know, keep grinding. Awesome. So, Jonte, that's all that I've got for you. We're out of time. I know there's a lot more questions. I see. I'll let you yeah, take care of that. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> they're, they're going in. I'm, I'm going to stay on for like a, another five minutes because I got to make dinner for uh, – I, I have uh, the water bowl and I'm making dinner for the for the family. But I'm going to stay on for another five minutes, man. Hey, I really appreciate uh, the time, man. It's in-